Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Even the Score podcast, a podcast about soundtracks and scores from movies, TV shows, and video games. I'm, as always, your host, Don, and I'm here accompanied once again by my co-hosts, Anthony and Jason. Hello to you both. Oh, hello. Hello, Don and Anthony. So we are back again for another episode of our podcast, and this time we are going to go back into our Masterclass series, and this time Jason's going to be taking us through his love of anime, and then we're going to jump into some fun tracks for the opening and ending themes of Naruto. So if you are a fan of anime, definitely stick around for that conversation, but of course we're going to start off our episode with our typical segment, What You're Listening To, and Jason, since you're going to be doing a ton of talking later on in the episode, I figured it'd be best for you to go first. So Jason, what have you been listening to? So, you know, as much as I is still truthful for me to say, like, you know, I'm continuing to build my Herbie collection, that is definitely not the only thing I'm listening to this week. I've been kind of on the case with a lot of different things. I watched, I finally watched, and I kind of feel bad for saying this, but I finally watched uh, Hidden Figures uh, oh, since, yeah, in between yeah. time, like since we uh, had our last record. And man, I mean, aside from the film being fantastic, the music in that film was really, really good. And it had me sort of like hitting the Googles to find out like, okay, well, where can I actually get this? It seems like it's a little challenging right now. So that's sort of to be continued. But I mean, I was definitely feeling it. So I would say it kind of started with that, but then I had a whole bunch of uh, albums and whatnot come in in between time too. And so one artist that I, I definitely want to shout out, and I was telling you guys like over text is Michelle and Dege Ocello. I did not realize, but of course, you know, it's all coming full circle now that I'm like playing the bass that she is a bassist. So, you know, that part was pretty awesome as I'm like re-listening to things. But the two albums that I have at the moment, Plantation Lullabies and... uh Peace Beyond Passion. Freaking amazing, amazing albums. Especially for me, Peace Beyond Passion. I don't know what it is about it in particular, but it's there's something that like really resonates with me on a bunch of different levels. I mean, I her own sexuality matters very little to me in all of this. Uh, I mean, and it seems like she may actually identify as multiple things. She but you know, like the the themes about like spirituality. The song, the one where she's like basically saying like, Jesus save me, but like, wait, do I really need to be saved? Or like, am I, you know, it's just all really brilliant. And I, I found myself like replaying that probably more than anything else since we've been uh, talking. So many die in the name of God, their faith at a closed door. They say And aside from that, I got this Mad Lib album that I think is pretty cool. He's really underappreciated, I think, as a producer. But, you know, I was initially introduced to him through uh, Jay Dilla and the opportunity to grab, like, an album that I hadn't seen before presented itself. And so I've been digging on that. And last but not least, I want to shout out a group that I just absolutely love. I got this imported 7-inch uh, from Hiatus Coyote, uh, which is like a remix album of some of their uh, stuff. It, like, only had four tracks on it. But I just felt really proud because, I mean, I'm like holding this small record in my hand. It's stamped. It's numbered. I know like I had it, it was imported from Germany. So I know like a whole bunch of people aren't running around with this thing. I was hoping to be able to talk about their new album with you guys. And while I've heard some songs off of it, 
I don't actually have the vinyl in my possession yet. It's like, you know, with some courier. So I guess I'll save that for the next time. But like I've, yeah, I've been sort of inundated by brilliant music lately. So I've just been loving it. amazing i love it i'm really excited because i only know um uh, michelle through like a friend of mine and kind of they played it in the background so i know that i enjoy her music but i haven't really sat down with it so uh i'm definitely gonna check out uh a couple of those albums that you were mentioning because it's pride weekend and i love a good story i think i mean not to be cliche anthony i think a lot of it would resonate with you hard mm. like oh just, yes Oh. I mean, yeah, it, it just, it's its its really good. Yeah, oh, that's exciting. I like it. Fantastic. Anthony, what have you been listening to? So my big things have been, number one, the Boogie Nights soundtrack. Ooh. I don't know mm. why, but that album is just pure summer for me. Like, putting on that is just the best way to, like, enjoy sun, be outside. It's just such an amazing collection of songs. Uh, and I found this playlist actually on Spotify that's like the full soundtrack. So even the smallest little like songs that appear in the movie, they include them. Um, and so I've been that's on repeat very much lately. And I'm, I always love that. And then the other one I'm listening to is... I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong. She's Irish, and her name is, I believe, Roisin Murphy. Roisin Murphy. I can't. It's really difficult to pronounce, and I've heard it in multiple ways pronounced. But she has a lot of, like, indie disco stuff, and she kind of remixed her own album that she released last year, and it's got these weird, like, changes in tone, and but it's really disco-y and tons of fun. That's been my biggest thing. And then we're going to be opening up uh, to phase two in Ontario uh, soon, which means I can go back to record stores. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a, a friend of mine, Dan, um, got me the Madonna Immaculate collection on vinyl. And nice. I didn't realize I already had a copy of it. <laughs> Ooh, womp womp. Yeah. So I was like, well, I could have two Madonna Immaculate collection albums. But I was like, nah, you know what? I think I'm going to try and switch it in for... They just did a release of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Very nice. And they did this, like, gorgeous box set. Uh, and so I think I'm going to try and get that, so... We are Sex Bob-Bob, and we're here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff! So yeah, I'm super excited to get back into record stores and have a peek and gander at some new releases and see what's been put out and see what I've missed in the past. So that's kind of where I'm right now with listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, considering two of the three hosts here are Ontario bound, it is absolutely nice that we are slowly reopening and hitting stage two here. And yes, returning back to those non-essential businesses and supporting them in any way, shape or form we can will be really lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, support your local record store. Absolutely. Shout out to uh, Soundgarden in Baltimore. 
Very they nice. see me more than uh, <laughs> I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> Jason will have a cheers type relationship where he'll just walk in and everybody just Jason. You make it sound like that's not already the case. <laughs> it's but true. I mean, good point. Good point. You know, Anthony, one thing to say about that Immaculate Collection, though, is I don't know if they're exactly the same in terms of, like, when it was pressed or who it was pressed by. You might want to check that before you go ahead and return that. That's very true, because it could be holding on to special printing. Um, And I know Madonna has actually, in the last couple years, gone through and released a lot of her back catalog on vinyl. Um, And so a lot of the, like, more popular stuff is easier to find but incidentally her last two albums or two three albums are like worth 650 bucks because they have not been released and it's the original yeah so it's really crazy how like all these and those are the two of her like lesser known albums that didn't do so well and they're like the most popular on vinyl wow it's really neat that's just wild the vinyl situation with pressings and release dates and issuings and all that you two fascinate me when it comes to this this world of it. You really need to get one and just join the club, man. Pure pressure. <laughs> and I The enticement of six hundred and fifty dollar albums is just just making my wallet sing. I mean, that's not all the vinyl records. That's just Very like true. one out of every ten. Very oh yeah. Oh, right. The other ones are like thirty five to seventy. What's that? It's not that big of a deal. Come on. No, that's drops in buckets. <laughs> Uh, all uh, joking aside, I think actually one of the things I do like about vinyl is there are special pressings I will pay attention to and spend money on. But one of my favorite activities is going to antique shows, local record shops. Just I want I love digging through old crates of records, and I love spending fifty cents and a dollar and getting a really really nice find. It takes time, and I think that's the best part of it. So as much as I joke that I'm like, yeah, I got this special Tron pressing. I'm like, don't get me wrong, my favorite activity is doing the local finds of Mm -hmm. independent shops, and that really, I find, is much more enticing than, again, just constantly spending $700 on a pressing that's come out. And, yeah, I mean, for all the records that I, I have now, I spend zero time checking their value. Like, at this point, if it's in my collection, I'm playing it at some point. Like, I don't, I'm not that, like, you know, new in box type person, like it's got to stay sealed, which is actually kind of bad for records anyway, or that sort of thing. It's more like, oh, well, great. This happens to be worth something now or something like that. But it's not like I'm chasing the investment value of these records because, you know. It's a happy accident when you stumble upon something like that. And I think I can relate with the crate digging in regards to some of the older things I used to do when it came to video game hunting. Just going to Salvation Army or pawn shops, garage sales, looking around, seeing what was there. But the beauty of the video game side is it's nostalgia-based, whereas it sounds like crate digging and, and looking at records, it's, it's almost like brand new. It's like, oh, I see this, or oh, I haven't heard this. Like, I think that's a really interesting component of it and would be really enjoyable, I'm sure. I think that, I mean, I think there are aspects of both of those things in record hunting, because, I mean, the nature of music is such that what I like, you may not dig, and vice versa. So you may find a super cheap record that means obviously not a whole lot to the person who gave it away, but means everything to you because you don't have it and you really vibed off of it. So there's nostalgia, but there's also like the opportunity to like fall into rabbit holes. Yeah. Like when I started to collect exercise records (laughs) from the seventies and eighties, they put out all these like exercise tutorials on record. The crown jewel is Arnold Schwarzenegger's workout tape. 
Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a jewel, I'm telling you. And he's just narrating it. And yes, taking and it it's through. oh, and so like it's got like Journey and Chicago and all these like pump up songs, and then Arnold's just talking over it. Okay, now I want you to do jumping jacks. You do one, hot, two, three, four, hot, six. This is we go. Keep going. Hi, this is Arnold, your training partner. It is important to begin each exercise session with a few minutes of warm ups. This will increase your heart rate and pump blood out to your muscles where it will be needed. Use this warm-up time to whet your appetite and to get your mind ready for the workout. Now listen to this music and begin moving in half time. Stretch all limbs briefly and get ready. Really, you can't find that on Spotify. No kidding. <laughs> Amazing. So let me tell you a little bit about what I'm listening to. I've got two soundtracks and then just one regular album. So I'll go with the album first. So we were uh, doing some driving around because that is one of the few things you can do uh, with the uh, the way that Ontario is right now due to COVID. And we were driving to go to an outdoor strawberry patch and pick and we threw on uh, Beck's Morning Phase album, which I have not listened to in a little bit. It is really great. I like how Beck has changed quite a bit from early Beck, really sort of out there, poppy, rocky, sort of really nonsensical lyrics. And then when he hit his Sea Change album, which I believe he was dealing with a pretty significant breakup, went more serious into his writing. And Morning Phase just seems to do the same thing, but even better. Musically, it's fantastic. Lyrically, it's amazing. I just think that there's really special things that that Beck was doing with that album. Man. And it was really nice to get into it and get back into it, I should say. The uh, the two soundtracks that I'm listening to, one's uh, older, one's newer. The older one is I've gotten back into the Interstellar soundtrack just because I've been in a bit of a Nolan kick recently. I've been kind of rewatching some of the movies and looking forward to trying to figure out how I'm going to watch Tenet coming up soon here. Um, and yeah, I've just kind of gone into specifically the organ tracks when it comes to the Interstellar soundtrack. I think it's amazing what they were able to do. And there's this really cool kind of five minute video on YouTube about the making of the soundtrack and how they just mic'd up this old church in the UK and they found this kind of organ virtuoso who had just been playing locally and he was able to really kind of make the noise coming from that instrument just unbelievable and, and what Hans Zimmer was talking about in regards to the making of the music and the use of the organ he talks about how it breathes and how the air sounds like breathing and puts a, a real human component into the music that's into the movie and I think it, it works for exactly what Interstellar was trying to get across and kind of the message of humanity and and trying to save humanity and leaving Earth. I think the soundtrack really mirrors or marries well with the subject matter of the movie so I was listening to that uh, and the more most recent one is my wife and I watched Luca on Disney Plus. Oh yeah. And we were unbelievably pleased with what Luca was able to produce. And we talked briefly uh, about Soul in one of our past episodes and I think my reaction to Soul and some of the more recent Pixar movies was a bit of a disappointment. Like there was great music, there was really interesting storytelling. I think Soul what I'm starting to kind of think about 
for me, kind of looking back, is I just didn't like Tina Fey's character in the movie. I liked kind of everybody around it, but I just didn't care for Tina Fey in there. But one of the other things I know I talked about was just how all of these Pixar movies were kind of condensing down into this is a day. This is like 12 hours or 24 hours, and this person has to achieve something here in a very short period of time. Whereas with Luca, it was definitely spread out over summer. And of course, I think it's really a, a fun sort of nostalgia itch to scratch when you're kind of looking at those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer when you were a kid and you can kind of do anything and you could train for this triathlon that's going on in the seaside village. And of course, there's really great subplots in there with the fish creatures coming onto land and hiding themselves from the, the humans in a town that is all about killing sea creatures and, and fishing. And there's some really great stuff in there, but the music is lovely. And I think it's nice to see Pixar kind of return to a little bit more of a longer form story it's more pointed it's kind of it's in a very small sort of focal point when it comes to plot and when it comes to what they're trying to to get the message out there as opposed to i think with something like soul it's like life and existence and all that they they narrow it down with this movie and i think it's nice to have the the bigger pictures bigger scopes but it's also really nice that they kind of narrow in their focus here with a, a lovely film that is luca so that is what i have been listening to over the last uh, few weeks since our last record nice nice mm -hmm. yeah i haven't seen that film yet but it's definitely on my list highly recommend Hashtag same. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, I think what we will do is we will take a little bit of a break and we will jump right into Jason's episode here on anime. So I think my approach to this masterclass was really to just start and put type two page about what anime means to me in the very first place. I kind of feel like, yeah, I could talk about the history and I will a little bit uh, here and there. But for me, it's it's a pretty personal thing. I literally grew up with the genre and I grew up with it in a way before I really even understood what I was watching. I just enjoyed it for what it was, not really realizing that it was like an entirely different culture that I was consuming or a way of sort of presenting animation and stories that was very different than most of the other cartoons in the US that I was watching at the time. I, I tried to think really hard about my sort of first experience with anime and, you know, we've kind of talked about it, I think, in one of these episodes before. I think it kind of comes down to this movie called Unico. At the time, my mom was, like, working for this guy who owned a uh, electronics and, like, video rental place. And at one point, she brought home this film, The Adventures of Unico, uh, for me to watch. I watched it. I loved it. I watched it over and over and over and over again, as little kids do. I didn't really realize at the time, but even when we started this, I wasn't paying heavy attention to the music and films, or at least I didn't think I was. But in that movie, there were some moments uh, musically that really stood out with me, even till now. I mean, like... There's this one song uh, with this cat that he sings to this, you know, the main character is a unicorn. And he's talking about like these funky wooden headphones on his ears. And, you know, it's got like woofers, which are these little frogs and tweeters, which are like actual birds in these boxes on his ears. 
and you know he's he's singing this little song about it it's super cute but like to this day i'm like you know i if i think about it it's like oh yeah that song was really really nice or just some of the the more dramatic uh, moments in that film, the the music really kind of made it. You know, again, not really understanding at the moment that that was anime. I just I appreciated it for what it was is like this cute little story. And of course, to the extent that a little kid can sort of critique anything in any sort of effective way. The very next things that I remember as far as anime goes that, again, I didn't really understand as anime at the time uh, would be Voltron and then Robotech. I think the thing that's perhaps interesting about both of those uh, series is that they were kind of Frankenstein for the, you know, North American audience. Like, both Robotech and Voltron were different series that were sort of squished together to make sense for us. And I, and I say that because, you know, when people think of Voltron, I think most people naturally think of the lions because that's kind of the most visible, most merchandised part of Voltron. There is a, I guess, lesser known series of vehicles that form to make this gigantic robot completely unrelated. I mean, story-wise, technically, they weren't really related at all to the, the Voltron series, but it was made to seem that way for uh, American audiences. Uh, me as a kid, of course, no clue about that sort of dis distinction. I just was like, the lions are cool. The vehicles are cool. Robots are cool. This is great. Robotech kind of deserves a special uh, mention because the same with the, all three seasons of that show, it was like different stories that were sort of bundled together for American audiences. And I'm assuming this applies to uh, Canada too, although I'm a little less sure about that. So, you know, I'll just leave that there. But it's special in that the music from Voltron, aside from the opening, like just how sort of cool and exciting the opening for Voltron is... The rest of the music didn't really stand out. I mean, for me, it's kind of like the way, I hate to say this because I know you guys are like score aficionados, but like how most scores are to films. Like it's it's there, but it's not necessarily anything that I remembered. Robotech, on the other hand, was not, I mean, you guys, we put that into our competition as far as the opening theme goes because it was just so like very cool. But there are lots of songs that were interspersed through all three of those seasons that were absolutely amazing. There was this character in the first season named Minmay. She had these songs like Stage Fright, which get played repeatedly throughout that first season. And then as it's leading up to like its sort of climax of the season, this gigantic battle, she sings this song, We Will Win, which again, also stuck with me. I mean, both of the like beyond just like the melody, it's like what she was singing, sort of like that moment. All those things kind of stuck with me to this day. Life is only what we choose to make it. Let's just take it. Let us be free. And then in the final season, we're going to talk about sort of non-binariness, I think, a bit, maybe depending on what you saw in uh, Cowboy Bebop. But there was this character in that 
who may truly have been the first character like that. But I'll put a, I'll stick a pin in that because I don't remember it so well. But there is a song called Little Soldier Boy that could really have been any pop song of its time. Like it, it really fit into everything that was going on in the 80s. And I absolutely loved that song. later check it on on youtube's uh it is i mean it's a, a really brilliant song but all that to say that that is a series that had music that wasn't just there like it really became a part of me and who i was growing up after those series there's like a hole if you will in terms of anime because not a lot of it got distributed in america like you know i think mostly cartoons like the things like Transformers, which obviously does have origins, but I don't consider those things anime in the same way. I, I don't think they technically were. And then series later on, like, you know, like when Cartoon Network sort of became a thing and like all the series that came up with that, you know, the Powerpuff Girls, the Dexter's Lab, obviously their influences like and I'm not a visual art person enough to say like hard and fast, like these things weren't influenced at all, because I think I can look at the art style and say like, okay, yeah, there's some there's things about this that sort of mesh, but again, not anime, at least to me kind of fast forward to when I was on my own because like I didn't have cable for lack of a better word you know I mean I came up from a very lower middle class family if that I mean maybe just working class maybe just Poe um at the end of the day and so you know things like cable that wasn't part of my experience so like all the I guess the sources that other people may have been finding anime through didn't wasn't available to me until I was on my own and actually paying for my own cable Having said that, that is about the time when Toonami on Cartoon Network was a major thing. Like, for a while it was Toonami, and that was sort of like the intro to anime. And it really sort of lit a fire, because I want to say one of the first things I remember seeing on that was, like, Dragon Ball Z. And obviously that the phenomenon that that is, uh, you know, like I remember buying videotapes and just spending countless hours watching uh, Goku and Vegeta. Again, not necessarily for the music, because if I'm being honest, I'm thinking back to all those episodes I watched. Like, I don't really remember musically there being much of any interest there it was really about the series. But that kind of quickly changed with some of the other shows that started to show on Toonami and then later Adult Swim. Cowboy Bebop was amazing for how relatively short it is to most of the other anime I'm going to be talking about. I mean, most of these series could be measured in like dozens, if not hundreds of episodes, whereas Cowboy Bebop, 25. And the you know, only reason I know that is because I looked and it was never re-upped. It was never like nobody ever said, hey, we're going to like bring this back in a different form. Maybe that'll happen eventually. I'm not sure how I would feel about that. But it's just a classic 25 set of uh, episodes. And much like Robotech uses music in a rather brilliant way. I think it's time to blow this thing, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. 
other notable things that I was watching around that time would be like Full Metal Alchemist, Naruto, Inuyasha, Yu Yu Hakusho, Bleach. All these things to some degree or another use music to better effects than others. But one other aspect that we're going to be covering later in this episode is just how much the opening and ending songs become like a major part of these series. I mean, when you have dozens or hundreds of episodes that you're watching, you find yourself, or at least I found myself doing one of two things. If it was a theme song I liked, I would sit there and let it play and, you know, do whatever while I'm like vibing and waiting for the episode to start. If it's a song I didn't love so much, you know, especially as like Apple TV and other things became a thing, I would stop it. I would move to exactly the end of the song and hit play again and, you know, actually just consume the series. So all that to say that even if the like music within the actual episodes weren't like a big thing, the theme could either make or break a moment for uh, some of these series. And when we start talking about Naruto Shippuden, which follows from but is different from how the series opened in just Naruto, the music for all of that, like I could have given you a whole bunch of Naruto themes to consider too, which there are a lot more of we would have probably needed several hours for this this broadcast. But all that to say that it's really kind of amazing how much music becomes a part of some of these series. You know, there is something I'm, I kind of left out that isn't anime, but still kind of feels canon in this whole conversation. I'm pretty sure I saw Speed Racer in some way, shape, or form. It's definitely anime, but I don't really remember it being a part of anything I watched with any regularity. The other things that kind of fit in here, but they aren't anime, but they're sort of in this weird space, are series like Ultraman or Spectreman. Like, I don't know if you guys remember that or not. You know, it definitely is not animation. I mean, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know, there are lots of other things like it, but I don't know what you classify it as. But again, it wasn't me understanding that this is truly from a different culture that's being brought in for me. Like, it was just something I watched Doug and kept it moving. And maybe the only other film that I kind of like stuck out to me in this sort of in between some of the series I mentioned and like having cable for myself would be Fist of the North Star. It was this really weird, trippy anime uh, film Basically, folks would hit each other in the face and, like, their head would explode. Not too dissimilar from One Punch Man, but anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that kind of later. So some things that I kind of learned in sort of doing some research for this is that actually anime goes back way further than I would have ever imagined. Apparently kind of started being a thing in the late 1800s, which is like, you know what I mean? Um, But it got into its own around World War II as the Japanese were kind of using it uh, as propaganda to lift their own spirits in the war, which, you know, trippy, but okay, it is what it is. And maybe not all that surprising, but kind of, is that when they started, they weren't, you know, compared to some of the, like, the North American or European animation of the time, like the the Snow White, the Seven Doors, or, you know, a lot of, like, Disney work, they didn't have those kind of budgets. They were working with a lot less. So instead of, like, 
sell animation a la Bugs Bunny or that sort of thing. They were using cutout animation when it kind of started. They're basically working with what they had and trying to figure out how to innovate from there. So that's kind of really what anime came from. And it really wasn't until about the 1980s when it really hit its stride. But there's a little bit of ethnocentricity there because it's like it's it may the 80s may mark when it hit its stride with audiences beyond Japan, but it already had been a well-established big thing in Japan way before the rest of us caught on, in part because uh, apparently Americans, other people weren't really as comfortable with like people being the, the subject of animation as opposed to like animals and other critters and little things like that. So I guess, you know, it was just a matter of our own perspective maturing enough to sort of catch up with what was uh, being put down in Japan. I I guess the other thing that I didn't know, so anybody who watches anime enough knows that like there are a few kind of major players that kind of splash in the beginning, like, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Toei, Bandai, a handful of other like things that kind of come up before anything else happens. Toei was the very first animation company, and they they were founded in 1948, which is like again kind of mind blowing. They were founded by Kenzo Masaoka and Zenjiro Yamamoto. That production company was responsible for like series like Dragon Ball, which I love. It's weird that something started so long ago is still entirely relevant now, but you know, I mean, I guess there are lots of things like that, but. That's just, I found that kind of interesting. But then the other thing that kind of plays into this is that even for all those productions that were big out there, a lot of times in the States, it took places like um, Harmony Gold or, you know, Bandai or whatever to like import it into the States so it could be consumed by like these audiences or whatever. And I don't know, I just, I, I found that interesting. And the other thing, little detail that I didn't realize until I started doing a little bit of research, but apparently I'm an otaku which basically it means that, you know, I'm an anime nerd. Uh, And I guess I have been for a really long time and I'm perfectly okay with that. Hopefully after some of the assignments I like gave to you guys in between these records, you may consider yourselves otaku too, but I definitely am. And I think series like Cowboy Bebop had a ton to do with it. Even now I watch a crap ton of anime and I probably always will. I mean, just like, you know, I don't, really see a natural end to me playing video games. I really don't see a natural end to me watching anime either. Um, and there's some really great stuff now. I mean, that is kind of in the same vein, like My Hero Academia, One Punch Man that I mentioned before, which is an amazing series too. And I hope that more seasons eventually pop up because it's been like on a hiatus for way too long. Black Clover, Attack on Titan, which is a really trippy mind f- of an anime if you've never watched it. Uh, Really interesting concept, much darker than most anime that I've ever seen, but it's a really fantastic series. And the follow-up to Naruto and uh, Naruto Shippuden, uh, his son Boruto, like I'm still watching all those things quite actively. So I'm sure that a lot of our listeners could probably relate to that, especially if they've gotten this far in the episode. And like with Naruto, a lot of these series have really great opening and closing music. 
Or they don't. I mean, I think we kind of talked about this in some episode in the past, too. A lot of times, who's featured at the beginning or the end does kind of come down to the money. You know, they're trying to feature artists that are important, you know, at, at that moment. And it either boosts their career or it doesn't. And I think in some cases, if they got boost from the things they recorded, they absolutely deserved it. Because some of the music is absolutely... Like, it's really fantastic. And even in spite of all that, though, I've really... The reason I asked you to watch Cowboy Bebop, and again, not with the expectation that you got through all 25 hours of it, because that's a pretty big time commitment. Although I hope you do get through it eventually. I feel like that series, unlike very few uh, series, uses music in a way that is quite different than most other anime. It, I mean, for all those episodes... The opening and closing really doesn't change at all. I mean, it's just that tank song, which is brilliant, but, you know, it's it's kind of always there. What happens, though, in these episodes is that different songs are chosen very, very carefully based on the, the content of that particular episode. And I cannot readily think of very many other series that do that so well. Some of those songs, like even... You know, I have the 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 soundtrack that was released on vinyl, and even some of those songs that like are crazy iconic to me didn't make it. A, a, a handful of them, but I mean, the ones that are there are all like really super awesome and everything. And anyways, I think it's a really good segue into the homework, the first part of the homework that you all had. I'm trying to contain my enthusiasm, but I really want to know what you all thought of the series. Uh, and who wants to kick it off? I, I, Anthony? Uh, yes, I'm more than happy to talk about it. So, I loved Cowboy Bebop. I am only several episodes in, but I have done enough research to see where the characters are coming, or where they're going to start to come in. And I think one of the first things that really caught me was the continuity, is the way in which each episode progresses, and it's slowly building the story. And I think that's what I'm loving about it so much. Like, the most recent episode was they introduced the dog character. And uh, as soon as I saw the corgi, I was like, I get the memes now! (laughs) I was like, because I've seen that corgi in so many memes. And I was like, I don't understand why this is like dog is like this cartoon dog why is this anime dog in these memes and i'm like oh it's the dog from the show oh and he's genetically engineered Ooh, what's going on here so just the story alone i'm fascinated i'm really intrigued i'm um i'm on board the music is phenomenal just that blend of western and jazz is super funky. The Tank theme song I'm obsessed with. And I think one of the tunes, or I guess the instruments that's really standing out for me is the harmonica. And just those harmonica tunes where it's just like, it's so, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of like Western and, you know, old frontier American stuff. But to see it in this context is so amazing because it almost has fifth element vibes to me. And um, I'm really excited to where it's go. Again, I'm really only in the beginning of it, but I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. Uh, 
Well, that, that's pretty awesome. Don, what about you? I'm a huge fan. I am probably at, I believe it's episode 15. So we're deep into some really fun stuff with Faye, Gren, all the, like, there's just some really cool things that are coming up. I don't want to spoil anything for Anthony as he goes through it. But for me, I... I definitely agree with Anthony seeing a lot of that sort of Western influence into the show, the harmonicas, the the Mexican standoffs that occur. Um, one of the episodes I'm thinking of is when they hit the casino and they're doing the exchange on top of the gangster spaceship. And we've got this really ominous standoff, but they're magnetized to the hull of the ship outside and there's this slow build to it i think it's and they're exchanging the poker chip for cash or so we think and i i really i i like and appreciate what's going on with the show it fits into all the things that i've liked about anime since i was young getting into kind of when i first started with anime we were watching kind of the classic kind of samurai based stuff so ninja scroll was one of the first things we saw and then I had a big gap as well until I went to Japan and lived there for a little while. And that's when I got into more modern anime with Death Note. And I really started to get into that. So I saw kind of classic stories being done. Then I saw like really modern stories being done. And now kind of getting into Cowboy Bebop a lot more with the assignment here and having watched a few episodes prior. Seeing kind of a futuristic but set in kind of a, a really specific point in almost U.S. culture anime has been really fun and interesting and i completely see the influences from other pieces of media anthony i think your fifth element reference is spot on especially the the long drawn out shots of how they move about space there feels to be that sort of fifth element style of like gateways to get through or long long travel or like tolls and fees that have to be paid as you're going through the galaxy which is really fun and interesting so yeah the the show has been a blast and the music has been fantastic to listen to and i really i'm interested to get into that conversation here because i think there's some really deep stuff we can get into with how music is being utilized where it's being utilized aside from just the the intro outro i think the intro of course is classic but uh, there's some really cool stuff inside the episodes that's uh that's going to be really fun to talk about. Well, cool. I mean, I'm glad you guys got it. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm feeling like I'm having my Hallie uh, or Sally Fields moment. Like, you like it. <laughs> you really like it. Um, but I think for me, you all mentioned the jazz. It's kind of hard. It's like the jazz part's inescapable, which obviously, you know, I love. But I think what I appreciate about the music from Cowboy Bebop, and to the extent that you all can sort of comment on this based on the episodes you've seen, I love the fact that it's not just jazz. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you mentioned the, the Western sort of like, well, not just the harmonica, but like just other sort of that Western feel, yeah. Wild West sort of. Steel like, pedal and banjos and like just sort of long drawn out musical interludes that just kind of feel like you're in a dust bowl somewhere in the Southwestern US. Right. There are moments that, you may or may not have seen at this point where like, you know, Ska's used a bit yes. for like some of these dramatic chases. There is some really funky, like vocal sort of soulful stuff that gets interwoven at different points. There is this song, and this is probably my biggest gripe with the soundtrack as much as I love the fact that I own it now. Cats on Mars. Don, you may have gotten to this episode at this point. I suspect you have. Anthony, you're still a ways away from it, but 
sort of the introduction of Ed. It actually, it may not have even been Ed's introduction. There's something that happens with Ed later on where it becomes tremendously relevant. And this song, I remember hearing it, and Anthony, for your benefit, it's like, I guess it's pop, but it's like, it's like Japanese pop, but it's English. Like, I don't know. There's just something about it that the moment it comes on, it's like, for me, I heard it and I was like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. <laughs> like, I, I've never heard anything quite like this before. I mean, because it's kind of got like these electronica elements. And then, like I said, pop, like there's so much going on with it. It's an absolutely amazing song. It is not on the soundtrack, at least on the vinyl. The only way I'm aware of getting it is there are some CDs that from Cowboy Bebop that exist. And one of them happens to have that song on it from the seatbelts. Anyways, all that to say that what they did with music and multiple genres of it throughout the series is just fantastic. As much as I could just sit there and watch the stories and all that stuff, like I'm very keenly aware of moments where like certain songs drop and just like I'm as excited about that as I am the actual storyline itself. chanting or like near operatic music is introduced like there's just so much going on i mean to call it just like a jazz sort of focus thing would be underselling it by a lot so anyways i'm definitely excited to hear what you all think is like you continue to watch those episodes but i just i i really can't talk about the like i can't talk about that series enough but i can't talk about that music the music enough because i really do think that it is one series more than a lot of others that I can think of that just sort of nails it on so many different levels. Completely agree. Um, and I think the first instance that it jumped out to me, aside from the theme song, and we did our cartoon TV theme song bracket, Cowboy Bebop featured there. It was a, a great kind of intro to Jason, your appreciation and love of Cowboy Bebop. It was a great sort of revisit back for me to, to listen to it. But the first time in the actual show where I really sort of recognized, all right, they are really utilizing music differently is in the episode where they are hunting after who is it abdul hakim it's the the episode where he's got the mysterious briefcase that's shaking and barking he's kind of wandering around the streets of i cannot remember the town that they're in but it's the fight scene and it's the chase and then they get into the fight scene and the music just picks up instantly and just really starts to, to kind of bebop around as what they're what they're trying to do and i think what i've been reading is that the composer and i believe her name is yoko kano she really tied in the music stylings well with the director and they like kind of interplayed as to all right when when we get into a fight scene that's when you're going to kind of take over with telling the story musically and it's they really ratcheted up the intensity by utilizing music in such a really supreme way and that fight scene i think was done so extremely well and the music goes perfectly well with it That was definitely the, the first foray into understanding kind of that interplay of music and the action that's going on. 
And then there's a lot of silence in the show. There's a lot of sort of it's space. So you just kind of hear that low rumble that's always happening. But then when you kind of go planet side, wherever you are, whether it's Tijuana or your Mars or Ganymede or whatever, they utilize the different motifs, the different kind of song genres that they're pulling from, from Western culture, from their own. I think it's really interesting what they're doing across all of the episodes that I've seen so far. Yeah, and the other thing that, you know, when you were uh, speaking just a few moments that I was kind of reminded of, I can't remember the artist I was listening to, whether it was a documentary or maybe just on YouTube, that like sort of emphasized the appropriate use of rest in music. And I'm reminded of that in Cowboy Bebop because it's not a series that has music just for music's sake. Like it's not just like there are times, like you said, where it's really just sort of the low rumble of the spaceship or some other sound that is appropriate. And it's to me, nothing ever felt forced, you know, oh, we're going to have like some orchestral music here because just cause like a lot of times it's almost like exclamation points when exclamation points are needed. That's kind of how the music feels to me every time I watch it. Yeah, I think the other thing that I did notice was the sound design. And I did you guys watch the dubbed version or the original? Ah, that's an interesting conversation I wanted to get into. Who watched what? Jason, what's your preference when it comes to watching anime? Do you watch it with subtitles or English dubbed? It depends. I think with Cowboy Bebop, I tend to prefer to listen to the dub version, but it's kind of in the exception there. There are lots of things I listen to with subtitles, and I'm perfectly content with that. Something about having English in that particular moment without having to read that I, I find like really helpful. And so I and I don't know, it's the voice acting in the English dub version is really cool. Like Spike's voice is like really iconic to me. Like I could pick that like, I don't know what who that person is but if i ever hear him speaking in spike fashion i will be like dude that is you you. like you it's him (laughs) like oh my gosh oh my gosh you know get my fangirl on so i I definitely appreciate the dub version specifically for cowboy bebop but that is not necessarily my go-to for all the series yeah i hate dub (laughs) i don't hate it i dislike it a lot and I prefer to hear the uh, original audio track with subtitles. So that's what I always seek out as much as possible. Um, and so it just happened to be that I got the dubbed version of Cowboy Bebop, and I actually like it. <laughs> I am really surprised. It's a really good dub. It's The voice acting is really well done. I think that's the thing. Is like A lot of dubs I've heard are really bad. And so when I compare them to the original, I'm just like, no, I'll take the subtitles. Like, it just sounds so much better. So I think this one was actually one of the better ones that was done with regard to the dub. Um, but yeah, the, I found the sound design in this to be absolutely phenomenal. Those small moments of silence in space were added with like a slow hum of a ship or, you know, a door opening and like wind happening as they get off of the ship and just small things like that. I found to be really well done. The sound design was absolutely phenomenal. And you're right, exactly waiting for those moments when it doesn't need the soundtrack. And then like, especially that those quick jumps when it would start all of a sudden and you're like, all right, let's go. We're on a like... And it actually, some of it reminded me also of the Venture Brothers. Like, and it was almost like I could see the Venture Brothers taking that from this. Like, I could see its influence on the Venture Brothers. I definitely didn't think I was like, oh, they stole this from the Venture Brothers. I'm like, nah, Venture Brothers stole this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I typically go with the original Japanese vocals and then read along. But I think for Cowboy Bebop, it would have been beneficial if I had gone with English dubs. I'd watched the first episode twice. I watched it once with English subtitles and then once dubbed. And I just thought I'd continue on with Japanese just because that's kind of typically what I do. But the acting was fantastic. As I was getting into the episode, uh, it was the casino episode where there's uh, the scene between Spike and Jet and Faye and when she's locked in the bathroom. And the subtitles were just a, a few seconds behind the action and it kind of took me out of it. So I think I would have benefited from listening to the English dubbing. And also, I don't know what the actress or how the actress did phase vocals and, and how that went. So I think I'm I'm going to give it another go with the English dub and definitely go along. But because I was just reading, I think, Anthony, to kind of further your point, the sound design is unbelievable. And of course, when you're dealing with anything that's animated, you have to create everything from scratch. They did a fantastic job with whatever planet they were at, wherever in space they were at, the different ships and the everything that they were doing with the sound design was incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased as punch that you all appreciated it too. And I think this is why it's revered as the classic that it is, just because, you know, it didn't take a whole lot of episodes to get to the point, but those episodes really do hold your attention for the 40 some minutes or whatever per episode that, you know, they take up. It's it's just really brilliantly done television. Lost in a memory, I see. You know, the other thing that, I mean, we're, we're talking about the music here and that's kind of our focus, but part of what drew me in is they also used art and changes of art styles pretty well throughout the series too. And, you know, there are some moments where the realism is mind-blowing for something that's drawn. That sort of stuff tends to happen towards the end of the series. Definitely don't want to spoil anything there. But then there's an episode with Ed and this uh, giant satellite. Um, it, it just is very cool to me for a few different reasons that I don't want to spoil. But I also kind of think like the Honky Tonk Woman episode, that's a pretty awesome one. I really dig the one where that introduces the character Gren. Uh, I'm yeah, I don't want to say anything stupid or anything, but Anthony, I think you'll kind of really dig that when you get there. So you d um, you you can totally talk about it because I've actually been a little spoiled. I've already done a little bit of research onto it because yeah, I know that Ed is like androgynous slash non-binary. Um, well, or yes, but I mean as, because it's as. because Ed is a kid though, it hits a little different. Mm. There is a specific, very much non-binary character that comes up. That character's name is Gren. Okay. Um, and they go very deeply into sexuality in a way that I don't think most anime touches or even dares to, or anything that I can readily think of. But I think because it's anime, like I'll just I'll leave it there. But it's kind of in the middle of the series, and when you get there, you'll know. I do kind of feel like the episodes that center around sort of like the main, I guess if you can call him the main character storyline, those episodes are really stupid awesome too for content and music. So I don't know. It's hard for me to pick a single favorite. I think. Like I said, I have favorites for different reasons.
So I think that kind of wraps up everything I want to say about Cowboy Bebop. I'm sure there's more we could say when you guys get through the entire series and know like all the references that I'm like gushing about in my head and sort of having this like mental overload about. But the next thing I wanted to talk about, and I'll acknowledge from the outside outset it's a little unfair i wanted to talk about the list of naruto opening and closings that i sent you all to listen to there are a few caveats right so apparently there are 60 of them all together uh opening and closing you guys had a playlist on soundcloud of 24 and as far as i could tell it wasn't expandable beyond that in any way shape or form the problem that i had is in trying to get you guys a list of songs to critique Every other list actually ranked them like, you know, the the author of the web page had like inserted his or her own opinion about what was the greatest. And I didn't want to send you a list like that and sort of color your own perspective on, you know, what you liked or disliked. So you got the list that you got because it was the largest list of its kind that I could find. And what I asked you guys to do was really just to pick five songs out of that list that you liked the most five songs that you dislike the most, and, you know, some little bit of narrative as to why you chose the ones that you did. And I'm hoping to go from there. I'm cheating a little bit because I'm going to mention some other songs that weren't on this list that definitely I wish you guys could have heard and tell you, like, why they were important to me. And I should have asked you, how much context do you all have with the series? Did you watch either Naruto or Naruto Shippuden at all? So, no, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, what is Naruto about? <laughs> I know I know Naruto is something about running, or there's a meme about Naruto running. Is that right? Oh, so, okay, quick explanation for anybody who may not understand that. So, Naruto running is this strange phenomena that happens in the series where the characters hold both of their arms back and run, which is a very, very unnatural way. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if you can really do that well, a uh, way of running. I mean, most people, you know, swing their arms. Naturally. Uh, I explain that to you all as if you earth. don't know how to run. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, Naruto running is if you almost held your arms back like you were trying to be an airplane and ran. That's that's Naruto running. Oddly enough, and I only found this, well, I found this out some time ago, but apparently his name is a food reference. In ramen, like if you go order a bowl of ramen, there are these little white and pink things that kind of look flowery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they're um, yummy. That are off. Yeah. Yes, they are yummy. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that specifically is Naruto. Oh, Anyways, okay. why that was chosen as a character's name, that I couldn't tell you. Pretty sure there's a story there. But Naruto, for anybody who's never watched any episode, is essentially a shonen. You know, it's a series of anime that's focused on young people sort of stuff. And basically, it follows a village of young ninja, um, shinobi. And essentially, Naruto is the main character, and he is trying, you know, like, his backstory is extremely complicated, but ultimately, the leaders of villages are called Kage, and in his case, the village that he's from, he wants to ultimately be that village's Hokage, which is basically sort of like, I don't know, think prime minister, but like, capable of kicking ass when like you know sort of like the chief kicker of ass when the situation calls for it so that's kind of the premise of the story but 
it follows him and all of his friends and sort of like their adventures and sort of like their growth as ninja. It's really, really brilliant stuff. Naruto uh, sort of is like their early childhood period. Naruto Shippuden picks up from this period where Naruto goes away. He comes back quite a bit older. He's like, you know, if he left as like sort of like this preteen, early teenager, he comes back as like definitely a teenager. I think when he comes back, he may be 15 or 16 at that particular moment. And, you know, like his, his skill level is up significantly his maturity level has changed like there's just a lot of things going on and the world has changed a lot when he returns anyway last time anthony started out with uh, his reactions to cowboy bebop don do you want to start out with your reactions to those songs and which ones you uh chose and why can do jason it feels like you almost have like the secret menu here of fast food joints that you're pulling from all these really interesting nuggets and we just get the basic menu but it was enjoyable it was it was a good list there were definitely some highlights over others but one of my favorite one was little by little number nine on the list kimi monogatari opening three That was one of the ones that I've got listed here that it feels like it's the most theme songy as opposed to like just a a track that's been put at the beginning or end. I thought it was extremely catchy, really fun. Uh, the other one I've got uh, ending twelve. Which I thought was really specific to the anime genre. I thought it really fit in well with what Naruto was putting out there. I've got the Hemingway by my side. I really liked that. Thought that was pretty fun. Uh, I've got the opening seven. Motohara Hata Tome Data was really good. And then I think the favorite out of all of them was opening 15, Guru. That one was really great. Sounded to me almost like it was pulling um, influences from War Pigs by Black Sabbath. The singer almost had that sort of Aussie feel to it for me. And those were definitely my top five from that list. Really good tracks cool in a way i kind of did you a disservice because like you're appreciating them strictly for the music's sake but you have zero context in terms of like what visually was going on with these songs when they're like at the opening or closing of the episode and what was happening in the series in that moment in a way i kind of feel like if you had that context well i think it would kind of naturally influence your opinion about like what's great and what's not great too so maybe that's a bad thing, but it's also kind of a good thing because you really just appreciate the music for the music's sake. So definitely I could appreciate what you were saying, uh, Don, with your picks. I mean, that's that's kind of cool. They're definitely not the same ones that I picked, but I think you are picking them strictly on how they appeal to you. And I think that's fantastic. One quick question, Jason, does the opening credit sort of visual sequence change each time as well? Absolutely. In many cases, those visuals are sort of direct relationships to either what's coming, but there's some oddball ones too, because like one thing that comes in mind, I think this was actually technically in Naruto, not Naruto Shippuden. There's this one song that sticks in my head for a totally different reason called Jidensa, which I think is basically just Japanese for bicycle. 
and that word is repeated over and over and over. It's actually kind of catchy, but it's just like that one word repeated over and over and over and over and over again. It's cute. Again, it's sort of oddly catchy, but like it had nothing to do with previewing anything that was coming. No foreshadowing, no nothing like that. It's just sort of this oddball ending. So they're not always like that, but often they are. Gotcha. Anthony, without necessarily having the context about the series, what were your sort of top five? Okay. So knowing that now what I know about Naruto, the next thing I was interested in was almost like the chronological time of them, because some of them had a very early 2000s sound. Like, it sounded like that early, like, punk pop. So, I really liked number, uh, ending 18, line... I really liked that one because it had like an electro pop feel to it. And it had like a bait, like a fast beat that I really enjoyed. I really liked ending number two, Alto to All You. Because it was soft and it was sweet. And it was like this soft, like, really, almost like soap opera feel to it. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm digging on this. This is lovely. <laughs> um, so I was really into that. I also really liked Mashi with Question. Meza Miro. Yasi. Ending 4. To me, it was very J-poppy and very pop upbeat, like things I expect from anime. Things that I was like, yeah, this is totally like a theme song for an anime. And then I really liked ending number 17 because for some reason it had like a speed racer vibe to it. Like this like very fast, chaotic, fast paced moving uh, theme to it that almost kind of built as it went. So I found myself really enjoying that and coming back to it a couple times because it like, it had like a bit of a retro feel to me and I really enjoyed that speed quality of it. Those were my like standout ones. There was also ending number seven. I put it uh, next to because there was some kind of like rap or like some sort of uh, like flow to their lyrical style that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really talk about Japanese music too very much without talking about on some level their embrace of hip hop. And mm. it, it definitely comes through in a few different songs, even if the song isn't necessarily hip hop the use of the rapping yes. is so definitely i really enjoy yeah that's what i say it was really neat because it didn't sound like a hip-hop song but they were rapping so it really was mm -hmm. like a neat blending of those genres no absolutely that that's pretty cool so i'm gonna take a little bit of liberties i'm gonna sort of i'm gonna tell you the five that i chose from the list but then I'm going to sprinkle in a couple of other things in here, too. So for me, opening 17 was pretty awesome. Yeah, 
I also chose, uh, like Anthony, a Luto ending two to you all. I like that one a lot. I like that for sort of the change up that you mentioned and just in terms of style and everything else. I like Long Kiss Goodbye. I think that was the rap one. That is, that's the one that you were referencing there, Anthony. Yep, yep. Number seven, ending number seven. So that's another one I chose. Naruto ending number 24. I don't think it had a title on there, but let's see. It is number 18 on this list. And then the ending 26, which I don't think that's a title in front of it at all, but it's number 20 on this list. Uh, I liked both of those a lot. But what you guys weren't privy to in doing this are some of the songs that I think are even more iconic than some of these. One in particular that I I sent you just before this broadcast is extremely important to me called Sign, and it's by this group called Flow. I think a lot of, for a lot of Naruto Shippuden fans, this song in particular gets them in their feels because there is a very, very, very primary character to this story who is very instrumental to Naruto's development that ultimately gets killed in this particular arc. And the song fits. Like, even though, you know, there's a strange phenomena with a lot of these songs. I mean, there'll be a majority of it in Japanese, and then there'll be sort of like the sprinkling of uh, English into the song. And a lot of times, I mean, just from a strictly lyrical standpoint, the song doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that is technically true for this song, but somehow it still very much works. So in the context of what actually happens in the series at that moment, it's really, really spectacular. And it makes a lot of people's, if not their favorite song, it makes like their top list just because of everything involved with that in the moment. I realized that screaming pain, shearing loud in my brain, but I'm going straight ahead with this There's a song called Closer by Joe Inoue. That also, yeah, it's not on this list, but it's also a very, very cool um, song that, you know, I would definitely encourage you. One that may not make it on anybody's list, but it was pretty cute to me at the time, is there's this Bijou counting song. Basically, Naruto and several others in the story have within them these uh, animal spirits that sort of grant them tremendous power. But the way that they get there is often pretty dark and sad or whatever, because a lot of times they're sort of forced into children as sort of like these weapons of mass destruction type things by like their, you know, opposing villages and whatnot. And oftentimes they may go through several children or hosts trying to find somebody who's suitable for it. So, you know, yeah, I guess it's one thing if you're actually suitable, but for all the other ones who uh, aren't probably not here anymore. So, you know, it's it's this really dark element, but all that to say that there's this song where uh, Naruto is actually sort of going through all of the um, tailed beast, and that's what Bijou sort of Englishes out to. And it's really just sort of like this cute, traditional sort of sounding song that I think 
it was very cool to me and it sort of grabs my attention whenever I hear it, even if it may not necessarily make anybody else's list. <laughs> Last but not least, that definitely wasn't on the list I gave you, there's a song called Heroes Come Back. And it's like the very first opening when Naruto Shippuden opens. And it's sort of like kicking off the fact that Naruto's coming back from this training that took him out of the picture for a while. And hey, look out. Like, this is going to be pretty awesome. This new character is back in a major way. There is uh, some rap Japanese style in it, but it's just a very cool song. And it, it suits its purpose for sort of reintroducing this different uh storyline well different but similar storyline really well now the other part of this uh assignment i kind of wanted to hear what songs you didn't appreciate so much and why so Anthony, want to start out with you? Which uh, which five sort of were the bottom of the barrel in your opinion? So, uh, unfortunately, my first one that I didn't like was one of the favorites for Dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we're li- gonna have this happen quite yeah, a bit, I believe. The little by little, I yeah, that was a two for me, Bob. I uh, <laughs> I was like, it really ran too much into the early two thousands pop punk. And, yeah, I did not... I was like, hmm, I can fast-forward this one. Uh, the other one that I wasn't so keen into was Surface. I don't know why. I just have it, again, as a two-bob. Um, so that one was not on my enjoyable list. And then I actually didn't quite like the endings 22, 24, 25, 26. Unfortunately, those all just, like, ran into, like, I wasn't, like, really into them. I don't know what happened between those, like, seasons. I'd be interested to hear 23. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I'm not digging 22, 20, 22, 24, 25, or 26. So maybe 23 stood out. But yeah, those ones weren't really my like jam. Again, it was like, any of the ones that really leaned more into that pop punk. And it was just a little too, I don't know. Wasn't my jam. Wasn't my jam. Well, that is totally permitted. Don, what about you? All right. So probably lowest on my list is. Ending 30, never change. Absolutely not a fan of that one. I think that's probably lowest on the list for me. I would say I can hear, which I believe is one of the ones in that list that Anthony just mentioned, the endings 22, 24, 25, 26. I believe it actually might be 26. Did not enjoy that one too much. Uh, I will say I didn't like Yamazaru uh, by Kaze. I felt it was very good Charlotte era, like <laughs> undergrad's yes. theme song yes, era. Yes, 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 yes. Wasn't feeling that one. Uh, and I think I didn't really like Long Kiss Goodbye. I know the two of you really enjoyed it. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if it's the idea of the Japanese style of rap that they've adopted or embraced. I think that one is a little bit off for me. And I think that's more vocally than anything. But I think there's singing components in it that I liked. 
but I didn't like the actual rap component of it. So those are my bottom five. For me, I, so I definitely, I'm with you on the ending 30, the never change. I didn't really appreciate that one at all. That may be the bottom of the bottom for me. The opening 18 was another one on my list that I just didn't really care for so much. But the, you know, the one thing that I have the benefit of that you all don't is sort of remembering, oh yeah, what was going on with that? And like, for sure, context in the episode. Context kind of matters. For sure. The Run for Your Freedom, I didn't really care for that so much, which is number 15 on this list, uh, ending 17. And then uh, Hero, ending number 22, didn't really like. Then the ending 25, didn't care for that either. And that kind of rounds out my, uh, my five. And I guess the only other song I should have mentioned this that would probably would have bumped out any of the five that I mentioned before as well. There's this one by Akahisa Condon called Black Night Town that I actually really sort of like. And it's I'm not going to call out the group that did it, but it, you know, sort of the pattern sort of fits what you were talking about, Don, where it's sort of like quiet, intense, quiet, intense. I don't know. I just really dug that. I wanted you all to go through all this because, again, I, without the context, I guess it has to hit differently. But you all had the benefit of just appreciating them musically. And based on what you like or don't like, it kind of makes sense to me sort of what stood out to you. I kind of wish there was a better list of all of these with, you know, their precise song titles and artists or whatever. But, you know, thank you for uh, young Mika that put as many as you did in the SoundCloud without any sort of judgment because it allows folks like us to be able to have a conversation and put our own judgment on it without, (laughs) you know, without coloring it like with all these other best of lists that exist on the interwebs. So the reason I had you all do this is because what happened in Naruto Shippuden uh, or Naruto happens pretty often in a lot of the uh, longer running series. I mean, I forget the exact number of episodes between Naruto and Naruto Shippuden, but it's like 700 something, I think, which, you know, the reason why you all made comments about like, oh, this sounds like 2000s era, like pop or whatever, or fill in the blank is because this ran forever. Like, I was watching this Naruto when I went back to undergrad in the early 2000s. Naruto Shippuden really finished relatively recently, within the last, I want to say, five years for sure. 2017, um, officially, with 500 right. listed episodes wow. in a in a 10-year span. I mean, what happens in a lot of these series is that there'll be a particular story arc, like, basically a sub-theme within, like, this larger theme, and it's like, a lot of times, over the course of that, there'll be, like, a different opening and a different ending. It could very well be the case that even within that arc, the music changes there because, again, a lot of these series are trying to promote particular artists. And I think especially within Japan, they have a lot more relevance there than they do for us here. Whether, I mean, that's fair or not, I mean, it's just sort of the reality. But this sort of phenomena could be repeated in a lot of different uh, series that, like I said, have run for a really long time. And it is kind of fun, you know, if you're a fan of those series to sort of like think through like, oh man, this song was awesome or this song, not so much, especially when you have that context of like, 
oh man, this like this series is great. Because the only reason you can appreciate all those songs in context is because the story has managed to hold you for, in this case, years, which is not something that a lot of shows, regardless of genre, can boast. I mean, you know, like something I think of that has been on TV forever, like Law and Order or something like that. That music is that music, right? Like you either... You know, you can relate to the dun-dun or, you know, I mean, but the music is pretty much the same and the story is more or less the same even when it changes. So it's an experience that I think isn't very easily replicated in other sort of TV watching that you can possibly do. There's some really interesting things to talk about, I think, when it comes to this sort of changing of theme songs once an arc is complete or even, like you said, midway through arcs. And I think what you've just referenced with the Law & Order theme is great because we have a bunch of iterations of Law & Order, but the theme song, it's only slight variations of it. Whereas when we look at this list, it can go from like late 90s early 2000s pop punk to rap to like a a love ballad like it can it varies over like across genres and i want to know what the experience is like as a viewer jason when that change happens how do you react when you tune into the next episode and the theme's different or was there any sort of lead up to it that you could kind of see coming that there would be a changeover and how did it feel when it took a, a song that you didn't like and moved it to a song that you loved and the other way around when you were really into a song and then it changed and maybe it wasn't something that you really you wanted to hear now as their theme i'll try to answer what you asked first excuse the dog shaking the first part is pretty simple there's usually no warning or way to predict when an opening song or an ending song changes it just kind of does I think the way that I react to it, that's pretty straightforward. If I like the song, you know, I'm going to sit there and watch out. I mean, well, okay, there's usually a bit of curiosity and a bit of open-mindedness often when it comes to these songs, because when it does change, you don't know what to expect, right? Like, you kind of have to hear it out, and it's like, okay, is this whack or not? So usually the very first time it changes, it's like, oh, okay, well, what's this? What's going on? But there is a certain amount of curiosity with opening and ending changes, because often when they do change, they're highlighting new parts of the story that you may not be privy to. So at a minimum, you kind of want to check them out to see like, oh, gosh, what's about to happen? Or like, you know, what can I anticipate seeing in future episodes? Once those sort of curiosities are sorted out, though, it does sort of reduce to, is this song cool or not? And if the song is cool, chances are I'm going to continue to listen to it when we get to the ending so that like I'm listening to the ending, being entertained by that and waiting for the preview of the next episode. If the song is whack, then it's very straightforward. What I mentioned to you before, where I'm like hitting the button on the remote to stop the playback you know, scanning to the exact moment where the previews happen and hitting play again. Or if it's the opening, getting to that point where the, you know, like where it's sort of the initial, because a lot of these uh, series will have like a bit of action in the beginning, even before the opening theme. If that's the case, once the, the sort of initial incident's been introduced, stopping the playback, skipping over the song, and then picking up with the rest of the series. That's kind of the experience of, I think more than just myself when it comes to watching all these different series over time. So that pretty, I know we've been at this for a while. I think without you guys having more context, I think that kind of is really, it highlights me a bit. It highlights why I love the genre so much, and it highlights why certain things stand out to me the way they do. I wish language wasn't the barrier that it was because I wish I could more 
fully appreciate the lyrical content of a lot of these songs. But, you know, I mean, it it, it matters. I guess it's why, like, you know, I don't know why um, American music tends to be as popular a world over as it is. I mean, maybe because so many other countries are kind of required, forced to also learn English, whereas us being the folks that we are rarely learn another language beyond our own unless our family happens to speak it. But musically, though, they really do do some interesting things in other cultures, and it's definitely worth appreciating. It sounds kind of bad in retrospect, but maybe partially the reason I like love the music from Cowboy Bebop so much is fundamentally I get it. You know what I mean? Like it comes from something that I can understand and relate to very easily. Whereas there are lots of groups that get highlighted in some of these other like opening and ending credits that like I'll never actually probably hear all of their stuff, much less figure out who they are as artists so you know i I, yeah i'm just putting that all on the table and i guess to the extent that you guys like it too i mean i'm sure you could probably relate to some of that i think absolutely i think what i really appreciated about uh this discussion was not only getting to know a little bit more about the anime history and specifically about cowboy bebop uh, and the shows that you enjoyed but i think it was also your impression and what you took from them and uh, like you said i really do understand a little bit more about you now and how you approach um, listening to things. And so, uh, yeah, I was really encapsulated and I was really attentive. I really enjoyed listening to this. And my experience with anime is like Sailor Moon. And <laughs> like that was. But my... it's a pretty righteous series in and of itself. Totally. And I like, I am a huge Sailor Moon fan. I have, I've seen some of the live action stuff. So I have kind of leaned into that a bit. But even then, it's like that's kind of niche unto itself in certain respects. So I've really enjoyed you allowing me to uh, see what it is you enjoy, but also I'm really excited to see what else Cowboy Cowboy Bebop has to bring for me. I'll be bringing up Cowboy Bebop episodes in later records for us to discuss because I really want to get into it. (laughs) Excellent. And yeah, I've really appreciated this conversation because I have that sort of passing interest in anime and I have for quite some time. I'm definitely of that sort of demographic that would be really into Japanese stuff. Like, I love video games. I enjoy animation. Anime just... I would get into certain series and I'd really jump in and then it would just be fine to just kind of let drift and focus on other things. So I really appreciated this conversation, Jason, to hear directly from the otaku's mouth. Just the enjoyment of a show that like you said, had well over 700 episodes. And for you to just be like diehard and go through a ton of those, if not all of them, and to get that perspective, to just see how impactful it was. It's it's a great perspective. And I really appreciated that. Plus, I love the exercise that you took us through, going through Naruto opening and ending themes with no context to the show, just to get that musical perception of it. I really, I, I liked that. And it was considering the time that the shows ran, it was a really nice sort of time capsule to go back and listen to what the influences are on those artists. Because I feel even when I was there, their influences were always a couple decades older than what was happening in the, in North America, frankly, like when I was there, fashion felt very eighties and I was there in the late two thousands, the music from these themes that we were hearing very much. They had almost like that Avril influence, that Lincoln park influence, some of them a little bit older, some of them kind of early two thousands with the rap influence as well. So it's interesting to kind of get a sense musically from that. And I just enjoyed the exercise. I thought it was really fun to, 
to go back. And of course, referencing Cowboy Bebop, like getting into this show finally after such a long period of time has been unbelievably enjoyable. So thank you very much for bringing this to us in this episode. Well, you're welcome. But you actually touch on something I think is kind of interesting. You mentioned that like Japan felt kind of late. I would imagine on some level, they kind of think that they must feel the same about us. Because after all, we're talking about Cowboy Bebop now in 2021, when that series came on ages ago. So you know, like, I guess it goes both ways, right? Like, you know, Dragon Ball Z was a big thing in the US way after it had premiered, you know, sort of in Japan. So it's kind of like, yeah, there are aspects of culture that sort of other cultures are sort of late to adopt and embrace. But I think there's a lot of fun in that. Because obviously, I feel like personally, my life has been, I don't want to make it sound like religious or anything, but like has been really altered by the fact that I really like anime. Even just that culture of whereas like Saturday morning cartoons aren't really a thing anymore, being acutely aware of when an episode has been released in the U.S. for us to see and has subtitles and all that stuff like on a weekly basis is something that, again, only possible sort of now. So I think if anything, anime and like this sort of conversation to me sort of emphasizes that there's sort of like a cultural relativism to all of this. It's like much like music is in terms of like you can appreciate stuff that happened way, way before your time just because it's the first time you're hearing it. Great art, regardless of what type of medium it is, is great regardless of when you're actually appreciating it. So message, (laughs) if anything I want to share with the listeners is that, you know, it doesn't have to be out right now to be awesome. There are plenty of series that both of you've never seen that I've never seen that I'm sure that if we sat down and watched it, our minds would be blown. And I think it's that exploration, uh, whether it's in music or whether it's in painting, sculpture, TV, movies, whatever the medium that you can do that with and still be amazed. And you should. So do it oh very well said jason that was really good agreed All right. Well, that was a fantastic conversation. Thanks to Jason. Really appreciate you taking us through anime, that personal look, obviously getting us into Cowboy Bebop, and now exposing us to the well over 700 episodes of Naruto that I'm sure we're going to binge in time for our next episode is uh, is fantastic. Really fun stuff. Really great conversation. Ton of really interesting stuff in the in regards to the musical side of things. So thanks, Jason, for that conversation. Really appreciate it. Well, you're very, very welcome. I, this is fun. I mean... Like I said, anime is a pretty personal thing to me. It's something I've been a fan of, whether I knew it or not or not for a really long time so very nice well that will conclude our episode here uh today so of course we want to conclude with thanking you the listener for listening to these episodes for downloading them sharing them where you can and following us on our social media accounts uh, you can find us on our very active twitter and instagram accounts at even the score pod we are there constantly putting up the posts having some fun and go ahead and uh, find us follow us and retweet reshare provide our links to our episodes to anyone in everyone who's going to be listening we love the promotion we really appreciate you subscribing to our show as well you can find us on your podcast app of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, spotify google play stitcher wherever you listen to podcasts you'll be able to find our show 
listen to us, subscribe, and leave us a review. Reviews really do help with putting us up onto charts and getting our, our exposure up there. We've had some fantastic five-star reviews out there already. We appreciate all of those individuals who have put forward reviews for us. It really does help us. So please go ahead, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you like about the show. And of course, if you want to drop us a, a line, leave us an email. You can email the show at eventhescorepodcast at gmail.com. Before we wrap up, I of course want to again thank Jason and thank Anthony for being here with me again today. Great conversation, guys. Thank you to you both. You're very welcome. Thank you for setting up, I guess, these these sort of uh, focused episodes where we get to sort of share with you and the rest of our listening audience because well, again, it's it's personal stuff here. So Agreed. Yeah, and I'm sure we will definitely be talking about anime in the future. So watch out for future episodes that are very anime specific. But that is it for us here at Even the Score Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. 